Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, Music Month continues. Uh, so it does. We initially had said that week three of Music Month would be Rock Docs. Right. Uh, it is not. It is musicals. It is musicals. We'll be yes. doing Rock Docs next week. Right. But first things first, David. Something's on my mind. All right? Michael Moore has not infuriated me for a while. And then sure enough... I uh, I was reading Rolling Stone while uh, bored at work one day, and uh, yeah, I have to be pretty bored. What I, I have to be pretty bored to pick up a Rolling Stone. I, I was reading it online. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not buying it. Good lord! Um, <laughs> but, but you still had to seek it out, and you were you had access to the internet. And, yeah, and you were still. Yeah, you still went to Rolling Stone. I re- I like to read their political articles from time to time because uh, it fascinates me. There's nothing wrong with that. I guess. I guess. You know, I, I don't often agree with what they say, but uh, I like to see the opposing view. You know? Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Sorry, everybody. It's kind of a low-key day. David and I have been talking all day long. You know? So it's just going to be a little... We were, we were giving lectures. Exactly. Uh, oddly enough, about politics. All right. So here we go. Um, basically, Michael Moore wrote an article, uh, and I, I, this is not uh, movie-related, but he is a filmmaker. Uh, but what fast so it all it all fits it all works uh he uh he made a list he said hey democrats if you want to lose the election here's what you need to do all right and what so he made he made six a list of six things uh the fir- and the the six things only the sixth thing bothers me but so I'll, but I'll go through the the first five real quick uh well, number 1 is keep saying nice things about McCain number 2 is uh Obama should pick a conservative running running mate if he wants to lose the election. Um, number three is that Obama should keep giving uh, hawk-like speeches. Number four is uh, forget that this was a, an historic year for women <laughs> to focus on the other thing here. Uh, and then number five is uh, show up to a gunfight with a pea shooter, and then he goes on to talk about what that means. Uh, number six, denounce me. That's... Uh, uh, and by me, I mean uh, not Tyler. I mean Michael Moore. Uh, he, right. The, denouncing you, Tyler, can only help the Democratic <laughs> Party. Man, you're not kidding. But uh, it just it fascinates me that it's like he's been kind of, for the most part, out of the limelight during this election. You know, at the, you know in the last one. Well, thank one. God he's done something about that. Exactly. Exactly. And then it's just, it's just when I, because I saw Sicko, as you know, and I wound up liking it a fair amount, you know, mm-hmm. because he kind of took himself out of it. You know, uh, and just when I'm starting to think, like, you know what, maybe he's maybe he's maturing. Then he comes along and says, "Hey, the, it's like uh, it's like you need to hold on to me. You need to uh, hold on to what if you're going to win, you need to hold on to me and what I represent and all that kind of thing." And it's just like, really, <laughs> it, it, I, you're doing this again? Like in his books, he would say like. Uh, that in uh, 2000, Al Gore's campaign came running to him saying, hey, can you help us? Can you help us? And he's like, sorry, guys, you screwed up. Like that, he actually wrote that in his book that uh, that uh, he was campaigning for Nader and, and Al Gore's people like said, no, come over to us, come over to us. And it's like, yeah, y- you're just a guy. You're just uh-huh. a filmmaker. <laughs> Occasionally one that makes a fair amount of money and gets people upset, you know, certainly a rabble rouser type. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, this thing is going to move beyond you. You know, you're because what fascinates me is just the the mentality that he's more than just a politician. He's the guy that can make or break politicians, you know, and it's just (laughs) such a. 
Well, so he certainly proved that when Fahrenheit 9-11 came out and then George W. Bush didn't win re-election. Right, right. I am so tired of what John Kerry has been doing the last four <laughs> years. Um, anyway, but uh, so that was all that was all I had to say is just that it's like, like my frustration with him starts afresh. It's like, oh, I guess it's, oh, this is how I know a, a, a election season is really kicked off is when he makes an ass out of himself. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that's. That has nothing to do with our topic today, but I just wanted to mention it because it just frustrates me. I'm sure the next movie he makes is going to bother me. Isn't he going to make like a, a sequel to Fahrenheit 9-11 or something? Wasn't that something he was going to do for a while? I don't know. Okay. What would you call that? I think he said it was going to be Fahrenheit 9-11.5 or something like that. Okay. I think I had heard that somewhere, but uh, but uh, I, I haven't heard much about it, so maybe he abandoned it. Fahrenheit which... 9-11, too, is a little weird <laughs> sounding. <laughs> Nine twelve is what it's got to be, but uh, anyway, so so that was it. Now, David, word on the street is that you've got something to talk about. <laughs> Not really. I just uh, I oh uh, our listeners will be glad to know I finally got myself out of the house or uh, right. out of my uh, two offices. <laughs> yeah, and um, I went to the movies. You saw a movie. What I went you, and saw a movie. What'd you see? Uh, I went to the midnight screening here. The new art. Yeah. Of the Midnight Meat Train. Midnight Meat Train. Uh, based on a fantastic Clive Barker short short story, if you're yep. a Clive Barker fan. Some yep. people aren't. That's fine with me. I'm not going to hold a hard line against it. <laughs> Nothing about your tone of voice implies that it's fine with you. No, it really is fine with me, because okay. I can see not liking Clive Barker. Yeah. I never, I've never. i tried to read a Magicka like six times, and I keep getting bored. I do like The Thief of Always. That's the only thing of his I've read. You haven't read any of the Books of Blood, the short stories? No. I'll lend them to you. That's where that's where Midnight Meat Train. You keep uh, telling me about the one. What is it? Rawhide Rex. Rawhide Rex. You keep telling me about that. That I need to watch, uh, read that. It's awesome. So, and apparently there is a movie of Rawhide Rex uh, that he I, is denounced, and it's supposed to be awful. Yeah, because uh, I can tell. I can just tell by looking at the like the VHS box of it that it's not funny. And yeah. Rawhide Rex is hilarious in a very sick way. Yeah. Um, Midnight Meat Train, despite the hilarious title, is also yeah. not really funny. Although the movie, the movie is what you want it to be. You want a movie with that kind of title to be. You know, it's okay. it's it's cheesy, it's schlocky, it's uh, really gory. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is, uh, you know, uh, fans of horror or fans of the movie or fans of Clive Barker or fans of the director. Uh, I can't remember his name. He's a Japanese guy. He made a film called Versus, which is very popular mm-hmm. uh, among uh, film geeks, I guess. And um, he's made a bunch of other films. This is his first American film. Uh, so fans of any one or all of these things probably know about this already. But um, essentially, uh, Lionsgate, it would it would appear that they have made every effort to bury this film, that they yeah they don't want it to make any money apparently they initially released it only this is the weirdest strategy they released it only in discount theaters uh Hmm. only in like yeah like what you would think of as a second run theater if it was here's the thing if it was like if it had been advertised immensely i would say that'd be kind of a neat little gimmick because of the nature of film that it is but it wasn't but it wasn't it didn't uh it didn't play in the city of Los Angeles, one of the biggest movie markets in the world, where there yeah. are plenty of theaters that it could play. It didn't play at all uh, upon its initial release. It, the, the nearest was out in La Mirada. It played at a discount theater. I don't even know where that is. Um, uh, so Friday night, 
at the at the New Art at midnight was essentially the sort of Los Angeles premiere of the film. Okay. And the director and the writer were there, and it was a it was a lot of fun. But um, what I think is maybe, just maybe, Lionsgate is fooled us all. Okay. Maybe for the first time in the history of any studio, okay, they are thinking long term. All right. And they have done this intentionally to make it a cult favorite. Okay. Because I mean th- this sort of uh, this this grassroots push, uh, you know, like bloodydisgusting.com dot com yeah. is a, a cool site if you're into horror movies, which I am not super into, but it's right. still a cool website. They they were encouraging people to if they could find a discount theater anywhere in the country that sold tickets online, even if it's not where you live, just buy tickets, just buy yeah. tickets for this movie so it makes money. Uh, that's what they were encouraging people, and that kind of grassroots push is that that's at the heart of what. A cult film is that, that that that's a perfect backstory for a cult movie. Yeah, uh, maybe Lionsgate knew what they were doing. Maybe I mean the very na- like a cult film is usually it's I think it's usually one of two things. It's either something that was supposed to be big budget and then that that was that was big budget was supposed to be a big thing. Everyone hated it on its initial release, and then since then people have revisited and said, you know what, it's not that bad. Or it's something that is just. That's so small and so unadvertised that people kind of find it. Yeah, you know? like Red Rock West is a great example. Of Absolutely, that. you know, um, and you know, most people, if you say, "Hey, did you see Red Rock West or Midnight Me Train?" They'd be like, "I don't even know what that is." Uh-huh. You know, um, I myself hadn't even didn't even know that uh, that it existed until I saw uh, a negative review in I think Entertainment Weekly or something recently, sure. and uh, and yeah, I. Now, for the record, I don't think Lionsgate is that smart. I think, <laughs> you know, I think you're giving them some credit. I think they just uh, had a movie they had no idea what to do with, and they're just like, well, let's put it in these theaters over here. But uh, it just goes to show that, that, that if you're right, then movie studios don't understand audiences. No. and But that's the thing is they... Or they don't understand. They don't understand certain audiences. They don't understand a niche audience. That's right. what they, they don't understand that they can make money by appealing to a niche. Right. You know, which like, I mean, cable television has proved that that's not true. You know, you can yeah. make a show because there are so many channels. You can make a, a show that appeals to you know fans of uh, fans of country music or uh, like fans of country music since 1995. Like right. <laughs> like that, something like that. You, you can you can appeal to a niche and have a successful show, or, or at least I mean, obviously you're not going to have a, a survivor or whatever. You're not going to have a, a ratings behemoth, mm-hmm. but you're going to make enough money by appealing to a niche. And Lionsgate doesn't understand because this movie, it's um, it's probably uh, too stylized yeah too gory and uh, and too uh like self-conscious to appeal to the like say saw this is what i, was, I saw it with, yeah. with Teresa, and this is the, the that was the example she came up with is that uh it's not the same people who i mean certainly some of the same people who like saw are gonna like it because they're horror fans but because it's more extreme than that mm-hmm Lionsgate doesn't understand what to do with it. They don't because it's not going to appeal to a, a, a large enough audience. But there are, I mean, horror fans. There's enough of them that if you make a movie with, I mean, Midnight Me Train clearly does not have a huge budget. You know, yeah. uh, you're going to make your money back, right? And I feel like just now I know Grindhouse did not make a great deal of money, but you know, 
at the very least, studios could have looked at that and said, like, well, there are people that are clamoring for like all, I I feel like they should just and I'm there probably are people that do this have this job whose job it is really is, is just read everything online everything they can read uh that's movie related and like fanboy related online just read it you know uh-huh. because then you then I think they would have their finger a little more on the pulse of certain groups I mean there's you know there's all kinds of uh like horror fan websites you know that love just kind of campy kind of really brutal disgusting fangoria you know type stuff and uh but they just don't seem to be aware of them you know i think what they do often is they they release these directed dvd yeah that's that's where the market is for this kind of stuff i mean that's what that's what they've made the market be yeah uh but you know Horror fans will go to the movies. Horror fans like to go to the movies. They don't yeah. just want to go to Blockbuster. And, and especially and something as as gross and over the top as that. I mean, it's a theatric. I mean, if you have a theater full of people who want to see a movie like Midnight Meat Train, which you described it to me earlier, and it's not my cup of tea, but there are people who love that. They love it. I mean, they yeah. freaking they're like devoted to it. And if you got a theater full of those people, it would be. It would be exciting, even if you didn't like it, you know. And but that's something that you lose when it's just straight to video or something like that. And so, I mean, maybe Lionsgate knew enough to just be like, "Well, let's put it in some theaters," you know. But like, as opposed to just dump it straight to DVD. But it, that's the thing is, you know, I feel like I've gotten like I used to be a lot more of a kind of a stuffy, snobby film student, uh-huh. and I feel like I've kind of relaxed. Uh, a lot in a lot of ways uh since then but one thing that i have not relaxed on and in fact if anything i've gotten more uptight about is just studios mishandling of artistic material you know just where they just don't they have something but they just don't know how to market it you know and that that seems to be how they make their decisions is can i market this or or not even can I market it because you can mar- market Midnight Meat Train, but you know it just doesn't fit into the marketing models that they already know, and so it's yeah. just it gets to the point. I, the I hate sounding like that kind of person that's like uh, studios, but sometimes yeah they're dumb. But but you know what the thing is, uh, fanboys can smell bullshit, and they yeah. have maybe oversensitive bullshit detectors, and if. If Lionsgate was marketing directly to the fanboys, yeah, they might feel like they were being patronized. That's true, and and, and then it, maybe it wouldn't have. I I guarantee Midnight Me Train is going to have a, a a following. Yeah, it's it, it's bizarre, and to its credit, I mean, I, I I liked the movie. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was very good, not not great, yeah. but uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> to their credit, they took a, t- a twenty-five page short story. Yeah, uh, made a feature-length film of it that keeps the heart of it, uh, and maintains the weirdo, bizarre ending <laughs> that is in okay. as much as it can. They clearly didn't have the budget to do everything that Clive Barker describes at the end of that story. Well, who does? You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no budget for Clive Barker's imagination. But um, uh, so that's that's what I saw is Midnight Meat Train. That's, okay, that's what I wanted to talk about is. I like that in the future da- cult movie Midnight Meat Train. I like that in the days of like you know, there's Pineapple Express and Tropic Thunder and all these all these big movies, and you're like, I finally got out of the house and I saw a movie. It's a movie that you have not heard of <laughs> and probably don't want to see yourself, <laughs> but man, I saw the hell out of it. Um, 
Yeah, I you know that's the thing is as as much as it doesn't sound like my cup of tea, I kind of want to see it on principle. You know, um, it's got Vinnie Jones. As the, it's as got the, Vinnie Jones. As is he the bad guy? Yeah, if, that's it, kind of awesome in itself. If you've read the story, you know that his name is Mahogany. Okay, but they never call him by name in the in the all movie. Right. But there, his his briefcase says Mahogany on it. So you can, all right. And then Bradley Cooper of uh, of Alias mm. uh, is the lead, and Brooke Shields is in it. Oh, all right. Does she does she die? No, she doesn't die. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe I don't want to see it then. Um, but uh, well, that sounds that sounds very exciting. I would, uh, you know, I base and that's the thing. Based on just what uh, David told me, I want to see it because it sounds like something that would just be just just disturb me and stuff but i kind of respect a movie that has just just the balls to be what that what he described to me <laughs> yeah i won't i won't spoil anything for right, you listener right. all right so um music we, month yeah i wish i could find a uh a segue uh, i saw the trip before midnight me train i saw the i saw the trailer for what we do is secret which is the movie oh, okay. about the germs yeah uh, in which shane west of all people was playing darby crash but the the movie looks kind of cool to me i don't okay. know uh, i don't know maybe it's because i like the germs and i don't have anything against shane west he was on an episode of buffy so <laughs> he's all right in my book anybody who's on a single episode of buffy uh you're a big fan of <laughs> um but uh that's a joke for D- david and myself but uh anyway so because you were saying about yeah i know I, yeah. okay gotcha um all right but uh, but we're talking about musicals uh musicals musicals now here's the thing this david this is going to be the gayest episode so far, or is that too cliche? Is that too obvious? Uh, I'd say it's obvious. Also, you and I have probably gotten gayer, but what I will say is, yeah, I did. I did. I, I did go on about Denzel. <laughs> uh, here's here's my thing, and here's what I'm reluctant to say, but I figure I should start the episode with this. Um, for a long time, I did not care for musicals. I still don't really like them that much because, as you know, David, the stuff that I tend to like is it's grounded very much in reality uh, and musicals are not reality. And it's fine. I can I can change my thinking enough to accept them on their level. But one thing and also, you know, David, you and I, you know, did theater in high school and and, there, you know, I always hated musical theater because I felt like, oh, if you can sing, then that's really enough. Nobody really cares about the acting. But um, but the thing that has gotten me, because in preparation for this episode, I watched some old musicals. Most notably, I watched West Side Story, which I had seen before, uh, but I haven't seen it in probably 12 years. And, uh, and I watched it, and, and I remembered something that I, that, I, that I had forgotten about my dislike for, for musicals, which is the music can be grating. Like in West Side Story, in West Side Story, but in in a lot of musicals, like okay. like whenever like because the characters in most musicals, I won't say all of them, but the characters in most musicals can sometimes be a little broad, you know, mm-hmm. a little because it's a you know it doesn't take place in reality, so these characters need are a little heightened, you know, and so as such they will sing in kind of a heightened voice in kind of a heightened way, and the music itself is kind of jaunty in this way that you don't really hear very often. And some songs are, some songs, of course, are beautiful, you know, and you can listen to them on their own. But then there are some where it's just like, this isn't pleasing 
to my ears. It's somebody who's doing kind of a goofy accent, and now he's singing in a goofy accent. Uh-huh. Why am Why am I listening to this? You know, why can't I just fast forward? Um, and so you so, think you don't like West Side Story? There are some parts of it I love. Oddly enough, I love it when the characters are talking. <laughs> uh, but there are some songs. That song uh, somewhere is really good. And but like the uh, freaking Officer Krupke song. Uh-huh. It's like I listen to this. It's like it's a bunch of characters. Granted, I don't I don't fault the actors for this. They're doing what's required of them. But like you know, these characters are singing and they have g- these grating kind of New York accents anyway. Not that the New York accent is grating, but the way they do it yeah. is, you know, and then they're singing in this kind of a, and the song itself is supposed to be humorous. So it's like the music itself is kind of over the top and their accents are over the top. And it's just like, it's just like, this is, this is, this isn't fun for me to listen to. It might be viewed as humorous, but it's musical theater humorous, you know, where it's not actually funny. It's funny for this. And so mm-hmm. I feel bad about my attitude towards today's topic because there are some that I that I really like and can embrace but for the most part and and I'll mention some other problems that I have as we go on. Well, let's talk about the comedy thing. Okay. Because it, it's often referred to as musical comedy, you know, right. that's like that's that's the Golden Globe category, you know. Right, right. Um now comedy uh, as I enjoy it and as I understand it often comes from a place of cynicism or yeah. or uh just uh, anger, you know, yeah. or just d- discontent. Yeah. And that's not really generally the world of, of musicals. So it's, r- right. I mean, musicals can have, musicals can be pleasant, mm-hmm. but there aren't a whole lot that are truly funny. Right. Uh, I'm looking I, at my list here. When you mentioned that, I looked at my list. I was like, what, what's what's funny? Uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch has, has a lot of laughs. Oh, yeah, in it. yeah. But, I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of really funny musicals. Well, and when I think of, when I think of comedy you know, in the in the form that I like. Certainly I think of cynicism and, and frustration. But I also think of, you know, uh pointing out something that everybody ex- that everybody has experienced. Well, there's not much in comedies that everybody in uh, in musicals Music, that yeah. everybody has experienced. You know, and so yeah, they'll be you know, they might be quirky at best, you know, they you might have a as you say, they're pleasant. You know, you kinda have a smile on your face because everything is just so light hearted. But yeah, I mean, like when I like, I think the Golden Globe comedy uh, uh, comedy. Why do I keep saying comedy when I mean to say uh, other words? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, so you know the, what I meant to say was category. Uh, but the Golden Globes category is, I believe, uh, comedy or musical, and mm-hmm. I have a problem with that anyway because like they're they two no- different things. Because they yeah, they're very different. But what's more is like they nominated Ray and like Walk the Line. Like those are drama. They are yeah. not actually musical or comedy, just because there's music in them. That's not quite the same, but uh, but yeah, it's you know, but ever but if you look, you know, in, at like a blockbuster or something like that, and if you're looking for uh, a musical, you'll find it in the comedy section, and it's like Sound of Music, not that funny, you know. I mean, it yeah. is at, at times, you know, West Side Story, not that funny. But uh, well, you talk about the you, you mentioned the the lack of that they don't take place in reality. Right. Uh, I'm going to counter that, or at least with one example, and that example is my favorite movie musical of all time. Okay. And I don't even know if you've seen it. Uh, it's Cabaret. Cabaret. Yes, I have seen it. It's amazing. It really is. Um, and and I feel like that's one that. Okay. What I meant. Okay. My blanket statement. I feel like it's something that everyone acknowledges. 
including the people that make musicals, they're like, oh, it doesn't take place in reality. And it's like, well, it can. It's possible to play it straight. You right, know? but then every story, I mean, Cabaret takes place in reality. Right. Because the musical numbers take place on stage right. in the cabaret. Yeah. So, uh, or there's, you know, the, the little Nazi singing at the picnic, which is right. also, it, 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 you'd have to, if you wanted all musicals to take place in reality, you'd always have to write musicals that center around a place where people sing. Right, but I mean, you know, doesn't uh, J- uh, Joel Joel Gray, right? That's the uh-huh. guy who, I mean, doesn't he sing outside the cabaret as well? Like, isn't he kind of just an all-purpose narrator? Or am I thinking? I might be thinking of just the actual show itself because I've seen. Yeah, I don't know that Joel Gray even well. a, uh, shows up outside of the cabaret. I don't okay. think his character, the the MC, is anywhere in the movie okay. except for at the theater. I yeah, I mean, I guess for me, like just the uh, the fact that it's. I feel like if the characters are living in re- in real life and they work at a place that has music and that's the only place you hear music, much like Walk the Line, like these characters aren't singing in life like in Once. Once is a musical, you know, Absolutely. but like they're singing when they and are supposed to be singing. Second. Hold on a second. Yeah. Yes, Once is a musical. I've had this conversation with people. It is a musical. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, but like, you know, if if I'm, you know, if... if uh, what you say is true and all the music happens in the cabaret when people are supposed to be singing because they're paid to sing uh-huh. that uh, you could make the argument that that's not really musical. It's based on, you know, a musical where characters who aren't supposed to be singing are singing, but that's, you know, in the, in the movie itself, I'm not sure if I would count that as a musical, but it has, I mean, just like once in this one, it has full musical numbers. It's not like, I mean, uh, and it has a, a, enough of them. Because, I yeah. mean, like, Ray and Walk the Line... I haven't seen Walk the Line, sorry. Okay. Uh, but I mentioned that two weeks ago, I think, <laughs> that yeah. I haven't seen it. Uh, but Ray, uh, there are very few points in the movie where it has a uh, a full... Like, a full performance. Right. You know, you see him perform, but it doesn't, like, just put the movie on hold... Put the narrative, at least, on hold. Yeah. Uh, and have a song. And I think ask- that that's what a musical is. Let me ask you this. Topsy Turvy. Topsy Turvy, I would say, is a musical. Would yeah. you? Okay. Because it can, it, it uh, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't write, I, I should have written that on my list because I love okay. Topsy Turvy. I do too, yeah. Uh, Topsy Turvy is a full length movie and then there's musical numbers and that's why it's like two hours and 40 minutes yeah, long. Yeah, it's, it's basically, it's like, I feel like watching this movie about uh, the making of uh, the Mikado and I feel like watching the Mikado because <laughs> that's basically what you're doing when you watch that movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, I feel like, you know, I, I feel bad because I feel like I'm coming down on musicals, but it's just, it, there's nothing wrong with with that genre of film. It's just, you know, it's just. It took me a long time to get around to them, and some of them are just like, you know, they. It's like, oh, this is funny. It's like it's not actually, as you say, it's not actually laugh out loud funny. You know, it's like everybody. It's like a lot of people just kind of agree that it's like, all right, we're gonna call this funny. It's like no, but it's not actually funny. You you can be actually funny. I do think Hedwig and the Angry Inch is actually funny. But well, let me point out one that's hilarious. Okay, South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. <laughs> uh, yeah, which uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about the movie. I mean, yeah. it's it's great. I don't know that it's. Uh, I don't really have anything to say about it. It doesn't represent like a a movement or anything. It, right. It's pretty much just its own its own movie. But it, I, I do want to talk about animated movie musicals. Okay, because, um, starting I guess. I'm not sure. Where would you say it started with Moulin Rouge, 
uh, and then Chicago, like the, there's been sort of a resurgence in musicals. Uh, I'd say it started with Moulin Rouge, yeah. Um, it didn't start with Newsies, that goes, that, that's for sure. Yeah, because that movie didn't do very well. Did not do well. Um, the 90s was kind of a, a, a fallow period for movie musicals, yeah. except for animation. Oh, yeah. You've got Beauty and the Beast, and you've got... You've got Aladdin. You've essentially got Disney keeping the musical alive right, right. Um, uh, in the 90s. And um, the fact is, most of them... Uh, I mean, I enjoy Aladdin, but the, uh, I'm not going for the songs, you know? No. Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, on the other hand, I like that music. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like everything about that movie. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and you know, Lion King comes along, and it, it was like... Three of its songs were were nominated. I mean, and just a lot of people are like, oh, this Hakuna Matata song, you know, yeah, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, and there's still plenty to enjoy about the Lion King. Absolutely, uh, I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the the look of it a lot. Yeah, and the fact that it's Hamlet. That's cool. Yeah, but yeah, that song is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I remember that. There's that uh, Seinfeld where uh, where Elaine is singing Hakuna Matata, and she's telling this story about how somebody caught her singing Hakuna Matata, <laughs> and Jerry's like, really? She's like, I thought I was alone. And Jerry says, that doesn't make it right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's... But that's the thing, is as far as animated films, I mean, they've always been somewhat musicals. I mean, if you go back to, like, the ones in the, four, you know, Disney uh, yeah. films from, like, the 40s and 50s. Pinocchio has musicals. Pinoc- yeah, I mean, When You Wish Upon a Star and all that. And then they kind of they kind of lost it after a certain point. Um, and it became, you know, like, like Sword in the Stone and Rescuers and Great Mouse Detective. Like those were just, you know, straightforward. If there was a song, there was a song at the be- at the beginning and then at the end, but not throughout. Um, but it's funny because as as the the live action movie musical has become more accepted, animated mm-hmm. movies don't do it as much anymore. You no, know, not like, at all. Really, the I Pixar movies are. Yeah, I and mean, what was the last? I mean, Emperor's New Groove had like one musical number in it. Did it? I don't. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just. I think. Uh, I think. Atlantis, Little Mermaid, the Lost Empire, had zero. Zero, and I would have liked to see that, frankly. Titan A.E. No music, but uh, oh. <laughs> Titan A.E. had a uh, music on the soundtrack, which was horrible. Oh, okay. Did you remember that? Movie? I don't like, recall. It's, I remember liking some of the animation in the film, but that was that was as far as well. I, I disagree with that too. But I mean, okay. <laughs> like the point where he is his first time flying that spaceship, and there's a song that's like, <laughs> "It's my turn to fly." <laughs> that's, oh, that's right. That was uh, horrific, horrible. Um, uh, there's nothing good about that movie. But, I don't like the animation either. And it makes me wonder if that was because I don't know if this South Park episode came out before or after. But, yes. but when uh, when with Starvin Marvin, yeah, and, and Cartman t- flies the thing and he goes soaring so high, you know, so, just <laughs> something you know, up, like above the world. I never thought I could be so free. <laughs> it's just like you know, um, and that's the thing is you know that's that's one of the great things about uh, South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut is a lot of their musical numbers are they're not parodies, but clearly these are reference to right, you know, just standard movie things like when like a there's a moment when like at the end of the at the end of the second act when like various people in various locations they all join in this song uh-huh. singing you know and it's a medley of like songs they have sung previously and that's something you'll find in in musicals all the time yeah and uh there's and a lot of references there's a lot of Les Miserables references in yeah. South Park there's a <laughs> yeah this Satan's big song is is very much like yeah. like Ariel's song yeah. in Little Mermaid. 
Yeah, it's uh, you know, and even uh, and I do like. What do you their... think of the music in Little Mermaid? What was that? What do you think of the music in Little Mermaid? Uh, I think if I were to watch it for the first time now, I'd be like, oh, that music's not very very good. But I remember a lot of it. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it definitely sticks with me. Uh, I'm not sure how much I enjoy the song Under the Sea, but uh, it is, I recall it being very vibrant. It's a yeah, very that's vibrant a, uh, song. As a production yeah. piece, that, uh, that's, a, that's one of the highlights of the film. But right. it's not a great song. But Ariel's, like, part of your world, I like that song. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on now. Um, but... Uh, yeah, actually, and that's the thing is, as a genre, I've really only started to uh, take it somewhat seriously recently. Uh, I only saw The Sound of Music for the first time, like, a, maybe a month, month and a half ago. Well, let's, let's talk about The Sound of Music real okay. quick, just for a second. There's something I want to say about it. I don't like any of the music in that movie. Okay. I like that movie. Okay. Because I, yeah, I think it's, it's a, uh, as far as sort of, a, I don't know, cinema, you know, the like, yeah. the, the very, like, American Hollywood like golden age type of movie making. Yeah. It's gorgeous and it's so much fun to watch and it's it's just so like grand and lavish. Yeah. And I it's just every once in a while I got to be like, "Oh right, okay, there's Okay, this. now I okay, now let's now I'm just going to check out for about 5 minutes and uh, yeah. then it's back to the story." Yeah, I uh, I actually I, I love that story and I and I love the characters. I thought Christopher Plummer was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite actors because of, you know, I, every time I see him in something new, I'm like so I guess he can do this too. <laughs> All right, but uh, there is one song in there that I like, and it gets in my head, and I find myself singing it, which is uh, Edelweiss, uh-huh. and uh, that one's pretty good on its own. But like all the other ones, that's the thing, you know. Um, I feel like it's it's the epitome of the of the movie, movie musical, where it's like it's got a, you know, it may have a really interesting story, really strong characters, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh wow, you take the music out of this, and this is really compelling. Well, you know why? Because it's Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yeah, well, and that's they, true. I mean, they've never re- Oklahoma, no Carousel. Ah, oh. these, these are terrible songs. Sidetrack. Okay, Carousel. You and I were at the the was it the International the Thespian? International Thespian. The International Thespian uh, Festival conference, festival, conference. Okay. and um, and there was it's a, so international. In fact, it was in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's right. That's right. I think it was international because I think there was a Canadian school there, but. Uh-huh. Um, Oh my gosh. And that's the thing is I had never seen Carousel before. You, I don't think you had either. But everyone, you know, you no, read no, We the, saw this on, on uh, a live production. Right, right, right. No, no, not, yeah. not on film. This is just a total tangent about how terrible Carousel is. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, and in the little, uh, you know, because you ha- kind of have to go to all these shows. And so uh, in the, um, forget the, uh, not, brochure is not the right thing. The uh, <laughs> The program? program yes playbill okay um the uh it talks you know the director talks about like this is considered the best musical ever i'm like all right uh, you know and uh, you could kind of see the sets like well it certainly is going to be a quite a spectacle and then uh you watch and you're like and you and i at intermission were just laughing our asses off Uh because of of a, a, a song specifically called what was it? This was a real fine clam bake. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. And that, it was, that like, was yeah. It's like, and it's just such a, it's a terrible musical. It's awful. And that's the thing is like, you know, every every once in a while there's a musical that everyone's like, this is the most amazing thing ever. And then you go see freaking Phantom of the Opera, you know, which was a bad movie too. I didn't even see it. Oh man, but I like that uh, I like that Emmy Rossum though. Yeah, she's nice. She's cute. She's she's very cute, and she and she can sing, but um. But like 
that's the thing is like there I'm not sure what the what the standard for quality is when it comes to uh musicals movie or otherwise because sometimes it's like oh this story is really great oh this there's so much spectacle oh no the songs are really great and memorable like like because it's it's such a broad it, because it's just so it takes place in such a kind of a fantasy world uh I feel like I feel like there you can kind of do anything within it. You can do something as crazy as Moulin Rouge, and then a couple years later, you can do something much more conventional like Chicago, and both of them count. You know, and yeah. you can. But how do you even begin to compare those? How do you compare Moulin Rouge to West Side Story? You know, yeah, it's it's crazy. I can't. Now, can you think of any examples? I, I, I mentioned Sound of Music, where I like the movie and not the music. Can mm-hmm. you think of any examples of the other way? Because I can. Um. You, did you say you can? Yes, I can. Okay, go ahead. I've got one of my favorite movie musicals of all time since I was very young is The Music Man. Oh, okay, which I've never seen. Oh, it's got, oh, man, it's got uh, 76 trombones. Okay. It's got, uh, you know, uh, Trouble with a capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, we got Shapoopy. That's the name of the song. Uh, we got Mary and the Librarian. These are all such great songs. I have the soundtrack on, uh, on vinyl. Um, <laughs> vinyl. So I'm going to say it from now on. Yeah. Uh, so and and that's a perfectly watchable movie. It's a really thin and kind of dumb story. And Robert Preston, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to sound, I don't know, judgmental or or, or close-minded. Robert Preston just always reads gay. Okay. Okay. I mean, and he's great in Victor Victoria because he's a very gay man. Yeah. You know, uh, and so. If you didn't, if this wasn't a musical and Robert Preston was coming into town to sweep Mary in the library and off her feet, like it would be laughable because <laughs> the, you know they should be best friends and they should be going like shopping for fabrics together or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, because the music is so much fun, yeah, uh, that's 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 one of the most, I would say for me, one of the most rewatchable films I've ever seen. I could watch Music Man at any time of the day or night, I uh, any day of the week. Any any day of the week, even Hump Day, Wednesday. Oh, sure, that would pick that would that would uh, give me the fuel for the rest of the week. <laughs> I do recall the ver- uh, the first time I I heard uh, that lyric, uh, "Trouble with a capital T." Yeah, uh, I believe that was you because I think I said I think I had used the the term. I said. He's like, oh, that's trouble with capital T. And you said, which rhymes with P, which stands for pool. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, it really freaked me out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, from what I've heard, Music Man is, it's like, it's like, what? There's a story going on? <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I'm sorry. I thought it was just all music. Um, and I do like, uh, uh, I don't know if they've made a, I don't think they've made a movie of it. If anything, they've probably just filmed the the stage version um of uh, Les Misérables. That's one where I really well they made a movie, it just didn't have any music. <laughs> right, right. But uh of the musical, but uh and that one is interesting because I feel like that might be that might be the way to go. Uh because there's there's really almost no dialogue in it. It's almost like everything is everything is lyrical, everything is musical, even just a little bit of dialogue back and forth is sung instead of spoken. They call that sung through. Sung through? That's okay. the term for that kind of musical. It's a okay. sung through musical. All right. I've, uh, okay. What? I have a joke to make, but it's inappropriate. Okay. But uh, anyway, so, but I feel like that might be the way to go because then you're never, because then the music is so 
you know, so laced with the, the story is so laced with music. I mean, that they're inseparable, you know, like yeah. so many, like in Sound of Music, that ugh, my least favorite part of that movie is uh, the, uh, you know, I am 16 going on 17, like that part uh-huh. with the the girl and her and her boyfriend and stuff. And they go into this song and it's just like, so we knew going into the song that they were, uh, you know, attracted to each other. And, uh, okay, here's the song. All right, song is over. I have learned nothing new. And I just spent well, five minutes listening to this. But that's... that's the, I mean, that's the way... It, the way musicals in their initial form were written mm-hmm. was they'd say, here's a collection of songs, write a story around it. Right. Uh, and it was... Uh, I think the... Um, I'll give you some more terminology. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they call it an integrated musical. Okay. Is one that, like, something like Meet Me in St. Louis was one of the first big ones where the songs uh, are about the same thing the story's about. Right. Uh, but um, that's not necessarily a bad thing the way they used to do it because one of the greatest movies of all time, Singing in the Rain, that's yeah. how it was written. They gave, yeah. uh, oh, no, I can't remember the screenwriter's names. They just gave them, like, 12, 13 songs, and yeah. they said, make it a story. And the reason Singing in the Rain is so great is because they came up with an awesome story. And I think maybe that's the... Like, I've not seen Singing in the Rain, but, like, is it a compelling story? Because when I think of Sound of Music, I mean, that is a... It's a story about the freaking... The collapse of, you know, Austria in the face right. of Nazi Germany. I mean, Singing in the Rain know. isn't... <laughs> I guess it's not like that, but it's a it's a very it's a very clever and fun story with great characters, and right. it's also about uh, something that should be interesting to film fans because yeah. it's about the introduction of sound into movies. Right, that's what the but story's about. I'm not bashing that, but what I'm saying is maybe the reason that that it works so well is because the story itself is a little light on its feet in general. Sure, you know, yeah. and so whereas you know this kind of he- I mean, sound of music doesn't start heavy, but you know, it's just like oh, okay, so here we are. Again, but whereas uh, the musical of Les Miserables, I mean everything, and I'd say I'd say uh, Sweeney Todd as well. Did you see Sweeney Todd? I've seen it on the stage. Okay, um, you know some people don't don't care for the movie, but it is it's all sung. I mean, there's a little bit of dialogue here and there, but for the most part, everything is is sung, and uh, and I like I think I like that because it never it never gives you a moment to be like, hey, wait a minute they're talking and now they're singing because if they just sing everything then you just kind of go with it you know there's no there's none of that up and down that you know where it's like oh i'm back in reality and that and being here in reality i now realize the absurdity of what i just went through you know Uh um (laughs) so i feel like that for myself like i had an easier time getting into sweeney todd even though everything was sung Uh than i did something like uh west side story or the sound of music um but I don't know, and I would love to see Les Miserables done, uh, the, the the musical done as a movie, because uh, especially now if people, you know, with the right director and the right cast, it could be really solid. Uh, well, let me briefly talk about a movie that uh, is um, <laughs> uh, definitely integrated and um, very compelling or dark, essentially, okay. uh, Dancer in the Dark. Uh, okay. Have you seen it? Uh, let's see. I saw... The first twenty minutes of it. Yeah, so. you turned it off. No, it's not. It's not that I. It you know, like a lot of other movies that I wanted to finish. Uh, it was. It's just. I think I turned it off because I had something else to do, and then I never got. I in the years since I haven't gotten back to it. But uh, you own it, right? No. Oh well. 
I guess I'll have to put it on Netflix or something. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to say about it. It's just that it's uh, uh, incredibly dark and incredibly depressing. And now, what features, is the, what is the story about? Um, Bjork. I, I don't want to really give anything oh, okay. away, but she uh, she kills a guy and goes to jail, and oh, all right, she gets sentenced to death. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, that just sounds like Chicago to me. <laughs> you know, that's and that, oh right, yeah, right. that wasn't uh, you know that wasn't. Dark. But it also features the song "These Are a Few of My Favorite Things." Yeah, is is in that's in "Dancer in the Dark," as as done by Bjork, which makes that song way better, in my opinion, <laughs> and perhaps a bit more cryptic. Um, yeah. Uh, so what now? If I recall correctly, uh, Moulin Rouge that was two thousand one. That was your. I think that was your favorite movie of that year, right? No. No. No, not in the same year as. Monsters Ball. Oh, and that's right. Mulholland Drive and Black Hawk Down. Oh, I think but that it was high I think on the list, I think it's that of the best pictures. I think that's the one you were pulling. Probably, for. yeah. But uh, but yeah, and that because one, of course, Monsters Ball didn't get a best picture nomination. No. I can't imagine why not. They were, well, because you know they gotta make room for Beautiful Mind, and which of course sure. won. Oh, now we're all depressed. Okay, anyway, but uh, but Moulin Rouge, see, now speaking of, you know, movies that it took me a while to accept, Moulin Rouge was definitely one of them, <coughs> because it's just, that one, I mean, not only is it, does it take place in this weird kind of alternate reality, this other reality is, like, assaulting you, it's just like, we're having fun! <laughs> and just like, and, you know, I mean, I remember my mom back then wanted to watch it and i said and i warned her I, she and my dad were gonna pop it in and uh and i i had somewhere to be so i was like i was like now for the record i don't know if this is your guys kind of movie it's really kind of crazy visually uh you know as far as like the sound i mean it's just constant and it's not gonna stop yeah and my mom was like oh i'll give it a try and uh, i came back later that day and she's like, yeah, we had to turn that off after about 15 minutes. It's weird. You know, I've seen a lot of movies, my recent track record notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. But I, in my life, I have gone to the movies a lot. Yeah. Um, and I have never seen more people walk out of a movie theater than when I saw Moulin Rouge. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I mean, because it's just, it's so... I think it was also just, you know, I mean, how, speaking of like marketing, how do you market that? You you can market it as the romance is about, you know, it's, oh, it's a nice musical. It's like, hey, musicals, we haven't seen one of these in a while. Let's go see. Oh, no. And just, <laughs> you know, because it's just, it's it's daring you to like it. I mean, it's. And it's a, it's a movie. Uh, I, I love Moulin Rouge, but it's yeah. a, uh, from like storytelling conventions. It's a movie that absolutely should not work because it essentially hits its climax 15 minutes in and then rides it to the end of the movie. Right. You know, and there are certain, and that's the thing, there are certain story elements that I, at the time, when I first watched it all the way through, uh, I was like, what? This is preposterous. Then I was like, what are you saying? (laughs) Have you been watching the movie the last 45 minutes? It's all preposterous. But, yeah, uh, yeah, it, and it Yeah, Douglas Sirk is looking at that movie and going, that's a little melodramatic. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, it's uh it was I you know now I really like it. Now I'm just like this is at the very least because it's such an achievement because it as mm-hmm. you say so much so many of its elements cuz you know it does incorporate modern music, you know, into its story, its weird melodramatic story and and uh 
and it makes it work, you know, because it adapts these songs to its style as opposed to it's like, oh, we, well, we got to, you know, we got to pay tribute to these songs. It's like, no, screw it. You're using the songs to get what you need. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I wound up liking it a great deal. And then another movie that I, you know, a couple years later, Chicago, uh, that I didn't care for at the time. I didn't care for it either. Um, what do you think of it now? I still don't care still for don't it. Still don't care for it? Uh, I don't... You know, I don't love it. I'm not sure, even sure if I'd say I like it. Um, but one thing that that bothered me at the time because because even though I don't care for musicals, I'm still a purist because I'm dumb. Because uh, part of me was like, I was like, oh, Chicago's just trying to have its cake and eat it too because it's musical. The musical sequences all always happened in fantasy. Yeah, you know and. So that way it could have reality and it could also have fantasy. I'm like, you know, that's not how the show is. And, like, if you want to be a musical, freaking be one. You know, like, don't do this. Don't try and have this neat little that gimmick. I don't totally agree with you there. I don't agree with myself anymore. <laughs> okay. But the, at the time, I was just like, it's like if you're going to do it, freaking do it. You know, because I, I thought it was a way that the director was trying to weasel out of the, uh, the genre. Yeah. You know, he still wanted the music, but he didn't want them to break out into song. Um, but now I think, uh, you know, I think the musical, I think the musical sequences are actually really, uh, really vibrant and really interesting. I don't interesting. care for the music though. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, uh, I, I seem to recall, uh, all that jazz, uh, being sung ad nauseum, uh, on long theater bus trips. And it's just, you know, because someone would, would, of course, bring their stereo. And it's like, oh. hey, let's all sing this. And I'm like, I'm going to listen to my headset. Here was the song in my, my, my drama club in high school. Yeah. The, the, the musical, I, I should say, that they always sang songs from was a chorus line. Now, I've seen the chorus line on stage like three times. I, yeah. I love it. Okay. Uh, you know, um, and I, I don't know what that says about me because it's the gayest of gay movies. Uh, of gay musicals, yeah, um, and I, I don't care what you think that says about me. But uh, that movie, the mm-hmm. movie of the chorus line, is fucking terrible. I, t- I talked about recent, recently, or actually the same night that this will go up, we're, we're going to put up our episode where we talk about the Dark Knight, our right. Special episode. And I talked about the only movie that I've ever started and not finished intentionally was Batman and Robin. Yeah. I had to will myself to make it to the end of the chorus line movie. Hmm. It's horrid. I don't. Kn- I know nothing about it. You know, like my I. Well, they, you know. Okay, they've got, you know, you, so you know nothing about it. I know nothing about okay. it. Okay, it's an audition. Okay. And it's all these people auditioning for the chorus line of a musical. Okay. And, they're, and their director has a weird audition process where he wants to hear about their stories and wants to get to know them, okay? Okay. And the director, in the in the stage version, the director is just a voice. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, in the movie, they cast Michael Douglas as the director and then decided they had to just, I guess... You got Michael Douglas. We got to give him more to do, so it keeps leaving the stage. It, it, you, it's not what the show is about. It, it, it keeps right. like stopping the show to leave the stage, and then Michael Douglas has to go have a cigarette, or he uh, like you know, and meet up with because one of the women in the chorus line he used to have a relationship with, which is ah. you know, it's keeping with the thing. But I mean, like, uh, it has to like they have to have an argument backstage or something like that, and it just turns. It's just I just want to hear these people sing about their. You know, awful coming out stories from their childhood. That's what that's, <laughs> it's, that's what's that's what's fun about it. Yeah, it's 
Well, I mean, that's that's something that'll happen every time, whether it's musical or just drama. I mean, anytime you adapt something from the stage, it's like, oh, we can't have it all take place in one area. We need to get it get them out. And that's such bullshit. Yeah. We just, last week, yeah, last week we talked about Stop Making Sense. Yeah. If you can do Stop Making Sense that way, you can do a chorus line that way. Uh, hang on one second. Okay. <laughs> somebody was somebody was wandering into our space. I don't think they can hear you, Tyler. Okay, they're gone. Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get on with the show. Okay. All right. So, um <laughs> Ooh, that was a little frightening. Oh man, I was uh, concerned. But uh yeah, it's you know, it's it, it's it's just the the idea like you know, it's like a Someone was telling me I haven't watched the Spaceballs commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see how I'm getting to where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, apparently, someone was telling me that on the Spaceballs commentary, Mel Brooks says, "Oh, I like to if someone builds me a big, nice set, I like to just light the hell out of it because I want to see the money up there on 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 screen." Yeah. And that's the mentality, the bullshit, dumb, you know, non-artistic mentality that leads to that sort of thing, that like a chorus line. You yeah. know, the just because the. the, the <laughs> It's the it's the editing and the movement of the camera and and all these things that make a film a film. It's yeah. not the fact that you can have more locations now. Right. <laughs> That's not what's important. Yeah, it's like it's like, oh man, I love this stage show. I can't wait to uh you know, I can't wait to get it on film so I can uh take us out of it completely. Yeah. It just yeah, it's uh now what you know, I mean what do you think of the genre in general? I mean, do you like musicals? I mean, would you say? Well, you know, you you brought up the point earlier that it's there. So many of them are like comparing apples and oranges that I right. don't even I don't even know what to say about it. It's like if you ask me if I like country music, you yeah. know, it's uh, I, I like good music and I like good movies, right? So some of them are musicals. Yeah, I mean, I think that's and that you know, I mean, there are some people, and it's like this with anything. I mean, some people like horror movies and it doesn't matter what kind of horror movie it is they will like it and there are some people who love musicals so much and it's just you know it's like oh man i oh i love rent i love phantom of the opera i love chicago and cabaret oh i just love them all and you're like that's really into you know in a in a genre as varied yeah as musicals that's really dumb like that's just yeah you know i Did understand you say like i love dramas like yeah. i'm gonna go watch yeah I'm going to go watch Patton, and then I'm going to watch Double Jeopardy. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I love? Television. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, but that's the thing is there are, there are some musicals out there, you know, that are just have, where the music really, you know, really drives home the emotional impact of the story. I think Cabaret is very much like that. Um, and I'd say, and and that's the thing is oh, fiddler on the roof. That's another good one. Uh, that is a good one. Yes, yes. I'm I'm bummed out. I I uh, didn't think of a lot it. of the a lot of the reason that is good is because the songs are pretty. Uh, I mean, the songs are upbeat when the characters are happy, and the songs yeah. are maudlin when the characters are not. You know, it's not like what you were talking about where, you know, you've got this big, huge like musical number, and then all of a sudden you're back to you know right. Nazis and shit. Dumb old reality, <laughs> Nazis and shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, and actually that's. But the good thing about Sound of Music is that the emotional impact... I, I may not care for the songs, but the emotional impact of the scene 
is continued. You know, it's not like, oh, we just heard some bad news. But hey, everybody, we'll try and keep our chins up. Well, and then they go into it. You know, <laughs> it's like they will have a song that is that you know, mirrors the mood of that particular scene, which, which might be the reason that I like that song Edelweiss so much is because every time it shows up three times in the movie and, and every like time it does down tempo song in the whole yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. And at first it's very beautiful, you know, and then later on after everything's gone to hell, uh, you know, he has to sing it again. And this time it's just very, very mournful. And which is of course the tone of the film at the time. And so, uh, so on that, you know, I, so I would recommend Sound of Music because the story is very good. And even when the music is something I don't care for, it still, you know, it doesn't take you out of the film that much. It's just like, okay, well, this isn't that interesting, but whatever. It's not, it's not jarring when it happens. Yeah. But, you know when it is jarring? We got to wrap up but uh, pretty soon. But it would be, uh, I would be remiss if we did a whole movie on musicals and never once mentioned Bollywood. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And that can be jarring, but in a really fun way because yeah. musicals are still very much alive and well in in India in fact yeah. they're the main way that <laughs> it seems like movies are told i mean it's 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 changing but even like like you know i've seen indian movies that will still throw like a bone and have one musical number out of nowhere you know yeah. and it's incredibly jarring and yet it's 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 you know it's a different culture than america yeah. and like their movies even when they're uh you know depressing sad stories or whatever like i mean the Great, a great one is uh, Lagan. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a story about like, you know, British imperialism and yeah. the, the Indians being occupied and treated like shit and stuff. And like, it's a downbeat story, but the storytelling throughout the movie, because of the way that stories are told in Indian culture, it's very bright. You know, yeah. uh, it's uh, uh, everything sort of uh, yeah, bright and colorful. It yeah. is, is the way that those things. Are. So when the movie stops and you have like a fairly long musical number it it's it's jarring but in a fun way like you're just going along with the ride yeah i uh i've watched a very small portion of a bollywood film uh in one of my uh film classes and uh the reason that we only watched some of it is because my instructor himself was like okay i can only watch so much of this but you guys need to see it <laughs> so and you should check out lagan yeah, uh, that's what I've heard. Next I've heard time you got four great. hours, you should check it out. Well, hey, no problem. I got four hours tonight, so boom, <laughs> let's go. Um, I, I think I want to watch the Music Man tonight. If I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, of course, at this point, uh, you know, I mean, David and I have said some fairly negative things, and I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who uh, are defenders and you know apologists for uh, musicals, and so we said plenty of positive things too. We said, pl- yeah, but I feel I like I, a lot of movies that I like. I feel like I uh, I came out pretty negative. So, but whatever. Either way, if uh, if you have uh, some feedback, you can email us at uh, battleshippretension at hotmail dot com. Uh, check out the website. We've got a lot of videos up now. Um, we've got uh, our movies of the week. Uh, we've got some blogs up, and so uh, you know a lot of stuff that you can do uh, on the website now. And uh, so yeah, till uh, next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.